Let us pray in preparation for the reading and preaching of God's word. Lord, open our hearts and minds to the power of your Holy Spirit, that as the scriptures are read and Pastor Dale preaches, we may hear with joy what you say to us today. Amen. Our gospel reading this morning is from Luke chapter 9, verses 28 through 36. Now, about eight days after these sayings, Jesus took with him Peter and John and James and went up on the mountain to pray. And while he was praying, the appearance of his face changed and his clothes became dazzling white. Suddenly they saw two men, Moses and Elijah, talking to him. They appeared in glory and were speaking of his departure which he was about to accomplish at Jerusalem. Now Peter and his companions were weighed down with sleep, but since they had stayed awake, they saw his glory and the two men who stood with him. Just as they were leaving him, Peter said to Jesus, Master, it is good for us to be here. Let us make three dwellings, one for you, one for Moses, and one for Elijah not knowing what he said. While he was saying this, a cloud came and overshadowed them, and they were terrified as they entered the cloud. Then from the cloud came a voice that said, This is my son, my chosen. Listen to him. And when the voice had spoken, Jesus was found alone. And they kept silent, and in those days no one in those days told no one any of the things they had seen. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. This is the last sermon in our series entitled Turning Points. We have been looking at turning points in the life and ministry of Jesus and trying to learn from those turning points how to deal with turning points in our own lives. In Luke chapter 9, uh, Jesus is about at the end of his earthly ministry. When he comes down from this mountain, he will turn his face to Jerusalem and go to Jerusalem and his earthly ministry will end there. And I am guessing that there is a certain amount of confusion, of distress, and perhaps of anxiety on the part of the disciples at least, and perhaps some anxiety on Jesus' part too in this story. Because as we begin our passage, there is a reference to something that Jesus had said to the disciples eight days earlier. What he had told them was that he must go to Jerusalem and there he would undergo great suffering and he would be rejected by the elders and chief priests and scribes and be killed and on the third day rise. So he is turning toward great suffering and death. He also went on to tell them if they wanted to be his followers, his disciples, they must find the strength to deny themselves and take up their cross daily and follow him. 
and they must find the courage to lose their lives in order to gain their lives. And they must never be ashamed of him. So I think there was some real anxiety on that mountain. And I'm glad for that anxiety because I have noticed that as we go into this huge transition in the life of our congregation with the announcement of my retirement in June, followed by the announcement of Eliana leaving in June to seek her own uh, call to pastoral ministry in a congregation of her own, followed by Molly announcing that she was retiring from the uh, director of the preschool to do other things. As we enter this huge transition, the anxiety level in the congregation is higher than it normally is. We don't like change. We want things to be the way they were. And so I'm grateful that there's anxiety in this scripture to help us with our anxiety. Anxiety, by the way, which always happens at turning points and in transitions, is the reason why we chose as the theme verse of our Turning Points series these words from Jeremiah, Surely I know the plans that I have for you, says the Lord, plans for your welfare and not for harm, to give you a future with hope. And those words of reassurance and confidence I think will become um, far more meaningful to us today if we can get a hold of some of what is being said in this scripture about the plan of God for the people. Before we get very deeply into the scripture, though, I want to mention that in the last week, I have been doing a calculation. I have been trying to figure out in 22 plus years, how many sermons have I preached in this congregation? And I figure it must be between 750 and 800 sermons over the years. And it has been a privilege for me to think with you 750 or 800 times about the important things in life, to think together about what is it that's important? What is it that life is all about uh, anyhow? What is it that God calls us to? Who is it that we're called to be? Why is it that Jesus is the best thing about life here on this earth? It's hard to get a good perspective on life and to think about who we are and who we will be. And it's been a privilege to have thought with you over these years about those important things. I also made a calculation of how many sermons I have left to preach. <laughs> and though the preaching schedule isn't totally final yet, I think probably no more than 10, including this one. And so I want it to be about the important things uh, that we think about together. So Jesus goes up on this mountain and he takes with him Peter and James and John and he goes there to pray. And Luke says that as Jesus is praying, his face changes. Matthew says 
that his face became as bright as the sun. Luke says that his garments become dazzling white. The word there literally means flashing like lightning. And there is a radiance about him. And then suddenly, uh, literally, the translation says, Behold, two men. Suddenly, there are two men there with him. And it's Moses and Elijah, two people who have been gone from this earth 800 and 1,000 years. And yet, there they are with him. And the disciples see them. Luke says they see their glory. They see Moses in glory and Elijah in glory and Jesus in glory. And that word means uh, brightness. They see a brightness, or it can mean splendor. Or maybe it means most of all radiance. There is a radiance about them. It's as though somehow for a moment heaven and earth intersect and the radiance of heaven is here on this mountain with them. Now I pursued the meaning of this word glory. They saw Jesus in glory and I found out some fairly interesting things. 1 Corinthians chapter 15, which is about uh, the resurrection of our bodies, says that everything in heaven has this radiance about it. 1 Corinthians 15 also says that all of us who are raised by Jesus will be raised in radiance, in this glory, this shining brightness. Philippians chapter 3 says that Jesus himself now has a body of radiance and that he will transform us from the bodies of our humiliation, which is how Philippians refers to these bodies we're in now, these bodies of our humiliation, to conform to his radiance, to the radiance of Jesus. 1 Corinthians chapter 2 calls Jesus the Lord of glory or the Lord of brightness or the Lord of radiance as though all this radiance of heaven is somehow focused on him or, or he is somehow in command of it all, in control of it all. And indeed, Colossians says that the wealth of his glory or the wealth of his radiance is for the people, and that he has the power in his radiance to make us strong, to make us radiant like him. Jesus himself says in Luke chapter 24 to his disciples, did you not understand that the Messiah must suffer and then enter into glory? enter into this radiance. So it seems as though this radiance 
is the state of being of everything in heaven, the state of our being in the life that is to come. The disciples look at it and it's dazzling to their eyes. It's like looking into the brightness of the sun, but that's because we are in these bodies of humiliation, apparently, and our eyes are the eyes of these bodies of humiliation. But it's not what will be. I know the plan I have for you, says the Lord, a plan for your welfare, not harm, to give you a future with hope, apparently to give us a dazzling uh, future full of splendor, full of radiance mar far more than we could ever imagine or hope. So what is the purpose of these moments uh, when heaven and earth seem to intersect and this radiance is all around Moses and Elijah and Jesus? What is the purpose of that? I think it was for a strengthening. It was to strengthen Jesus. This is his greatest, most challenging turning point. He himself has described it as, I must go and suffer greatly. I think it is for his strengthening. Luke says, that Moses and Elijah appeared in glory and were speaking to Jesus about his departure, which he was about to accomplish in Jerusalem. And that word translated in our Bibles, departure, is the word exodus. It's the same word as for the second book of the Old Testament. They're coming to talk to him about his exodus. And you remember that exodus is a word laden with theological meaning and laden with promise and hope in the Bible. It's about leading the people out to freedom, out of slavery, out of death into life. And as Moses, who is here on this mountain, led the people of Israel in that exodus out of slavery to freedom, so Jesus is about to accomplish a far greater exodus. Freedom from death for himself, through death and from death, and freedom from all, for all who are drawn to him in this exodus. They are counseling with him. They are strengthening him for this turning point for what he is about to accomplish. And Luke says, as the disciples watched, they saw Jesus in glory, in radiance, and the two men who stood there with him. They stood with him so that he was not alone in this greatest of transitions, in this most challenging of things. In a sense, heaven was present with him through Moses and Elijah, and they stood with him. 
so that when he turned and went down the mountain and went to Jerusalem, he would remember these moments. He would know that he was not alone, that heaven was with him. So the purpose of it is a strengthening. On this mountain, death is being faced and radiance is being previewed. Now Peter wants this to last. He wants to get them to stay. He wants to make this permanent. He says, uh, Luke says, uh, Moses and Elijah are just starting to leave. And Peter says, no, 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 wait. We'll build three dwellings for you. Stay here with us. He wants this radiance to be permanent, but it's never permanent here in this world, at least not yet. And so even as Peter is speaking, this cloud overshadows them. Matthew says it's a bright cloud. In Exodus, throughout the Old Testament, that bright cloud symbolizes the presence, the very presence of God with them over and over in the Old Testament. That cloud symbolizes the presence of God with them. It's like they are enveloped in the presence of God for a moment. And they hear a voice that says, this is my son. This is my chosen one. Listen to him. Listen to him. So what do we take from this scripture? What is its purpose for us in the transitions and the turning points of our lives? Well, again, I think it is for a strengthening, that we might be strengthened to live the life of service to others, that we might be strengthened to do the right thing, no matter what it costs to do the right thing, that we might be strengthened to have courage in our times of suffering. You know, this transition the church is going through, well, it's a big deal. But in another way, it's not a big deal. Churches go through this all the time. And you and I both know that there are other turning points, other transitions, far more personal to you or to me, far more challenging. Some of them cause us to suffer. How do we find the strength to deny ourselves and take up our cross and follow Jesus? How do we find the courage to lose our life in service in order to gain it and never, never be ashamed of our loyalty to Jesus in this world? That's what these scriptures are for. 23 years in this church has flown by 
for Jenny and me. I want you to imagine 23 years later still. And when those years are over, they will have flown by too. And what, will have, what things will have happened in your life? What turning points, what transitions? The happy ones and the sorrowful ones. I wonder if 23 years from now I'll be alive. Now I'll be 88 in 23 years. It's always been my goal of longevity to live to be 88 and fairly healthy. That is just 23 years away. We know the transitions and the turning points can be very challenging. The gift of this scripture to us is that it gives us a glimpse of what God has prepared for us, a radiance beyond anything we could hope for or imagine. And it also gives us guidance until that day. The guidance is this. This is my son. This is my chosen one. Listen to him. Live as he says to live. I want us to be talking about the important things in the transitions and the challenges of your life. These are the important things. Remember whose you are and remember who you will be. Let us pray. We are so grateful to you, Lord. The plan you have for us, for our welfare, for our future, is far greater apparently than we ever could have imagined or hoped. So Lord, give us the courage we need to live as you say to live. Thank you for this glimpse of what is yet to be. We pray in Jesus' name, the one the scriptures call the Lord of glory. Amen.